0: Are you are you hungry for God's word? I, that's kind of a rhetorical question, I guess. But um, but I, I hope that you are. I know that God is is absolutely ambitious when it comes to His word. And not that I compare Him to us. I'm just saying His plans are very, very, very ambitious. I mean, you think about it. Somebody who makes the statement that I could save, I can save the whole world. Yeah, I think that's pretty bold. Amen, and that is the truth. God could, and he wants to do that, amen. He does leave things up to us, and that is a choice. Um, You know, that is a a byproduct of the fall in the garden. Uh, We weren't built for that. We weren't. Adam and Eve were built to follow orders. They were built to be in 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 an environment where everything was just, you know, brought out to them. Just everything was right down the line. And when they fell, they, uh, you know, I know there was a lot of pain and suffering that went with that, but one of the hardest things that ever came into their life was the fact that now they've got to make choices. Yeah. Amen. And you and I are, are, are a product of that. That's what the world you and I live in. And the neat thing about it is, is that God provides us with all the information we need to make good choices. Right, right. Amen. We have, that's what we do. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, doesn't mean that we, you know, don't have any problems. It just means that in, 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 in that type of an economy, you know, God gives us the ability to choose, praise God, and to choose the right, the right thing. And so um, I hope that uh, that's something that you're contemplating on a daily basis, praise God. Choices are, are, are really, really, really the, the reason why we have the things that we have in our lives. Amen. And God wants to help us. Are you willing to let him help you? Yes. Um, now, you don't live in the Garden of Eden. You don't. That's not where we're at right now. And some people are looking for that, that God's going to come down here and do that. He's not. That's not what's going to happen. He's given us the power, praise God, to, to handle these things. Why don't you just close your eyes for about 15 seconds and lift up your hand and ask the Lord to give you, give you uh, power to make the right choices in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. Too many books. are the other books. Pray for that illumination, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the ability to do that, Lord God. Why don't you thank the Lord together right now? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Sister Carnahan, eventually I'll be going to Hebrews chapter 6. I can't tell you exactly when I'm going to get there, but that's where I'm headed, okay? In Jesus' name. You may be seated. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. It is just a thrill to be in a church that has faith. Amen. And I I do believe in, in having the faith of God. I think it's the 11th chapter of the book of Mark that talks about when they were struggling with getting things accomplished in the spiritual realm which can be that. It can be a struggle, praise God, um, until we recognize what real authority is and what it really means for us. Amen. A lot of folks, the reason they don't have authority is because they're not, put, they're not allowing themselves to be put under authority. And it takes authority to be saved, and we have to submit ourselves unto God. And so hopefully God will help you with that here this morning. But faith is a good thing. I think there's five things that talk about the, fa- the faith of God, if I can remember them. I try to put a lot of things to memory. I think it's the five things that, 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 that surround the faith of God have to do with the blood, have to do with the Word, the Spirit. Um, I, always, I always lose one of them. And obedience is another one, and there's five. The blood, the Word, the Spirit... Uh, that makes, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to memorize it, but there's actually five things that really that talk about, that surround the, the, the faith of God. And that's what we need to get a hold of. That's what will accomplish things. Um, we can't accomplish this on our own. When the scripture says he's given to us the measure of faith, that's something that you and I can accomplish in this life. We can do that. And that kind of faith is just really, on the most part, has to do with faithfulness. You have the ability to become faithful to God, regardless of your feelings, regardless of the family background, regardless of where life has taken you up to this point in time. You have the ability because God has given you the measure of faith to begin. And so we must contemplate that. That's our duty. God just wants us to be there when it happens, really, And that's where faithfulness comes in, and that's why as you begin to read your Bible, you're going to discover that there's an opportunity right off the bat to become faithful. Amen. And so we begin to become obedient to God's word, and we begin to contemplate these things, and God is able to do a lot of great things in our life. I I do a lot of different studying um, when it comes to uh, the Word of God and that type of thing. I have periodicals, I have books and all of that kind of stuff. I come across something here this morning that right away I thought this would be something to share with you, and hopefully it will. It's out of a, um, a devotional that I use um, um, on a daily basis. A, a man that, that, that I know and, and trust wrote this, and so I have a lot of confidence. Listen to it. It's pretty short, so this will be sh- short and sweet, okay? This is the preliminary, Okay. This is the preliminaries. And so hopefully you'll, 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 you'll get a hold of something. The name of the subject is just simply, are you doing the righteous thing? Are you doing the righteous thing? And the scripture is in Psalm 5 and 12, it says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. That's quite a statement. And the, and the, and the key there is the righteous. Amen. Amen. Now, righteousness comes from a root word that really means straightness. means to do it straight. It refers to uh, an authoritative standard. Righteousness is a moral concept. Synonyms include um, justice, holiness, uh, 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 propriety. And God's character is the definition and the source of all righteousness. Can you say amen? amen? You look to God and everything he does is right everything. He never in his life has made a mistake. Praise God. Far be it from you to do such, uh, such a thing as this. This is uh, in Genesis. And when um, Abraham, um, I guess, kind of confronted God, listen to it. It says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, that that sounds pretty arrogant when you're talking to God, doesn't it? But that's really a a true statement that Abraham, through his relationship with God, saw. He saw that God isn't the type to, 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 to do that. And so I think really what he's doing here in this scripture is he's trying to confirm that. Because God just let him in on on, on a little bit of insight. God was, um, in that chapter, because of the length of the relationship and because of of Abraham's ability to receive the things of God, God began to share with him a judgment that was going to take place. And quite a severe judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about it, you know, um, for yourself. But the bottom line is, here's Abraham when he heard that. And his first thing is, God, if there be any righteous down there, Are you going to destroy them with the wicked? And, of course, you understand what God's answer was, don't you? Absolutely not. God doesn't do that. That's why I'm interested in the righteousness of God. Amen. I want to have right standing with God. And that's different than having self-righteousness. It really is, folks, and that's what we think God is looking for in us. And you and I, we can't even do that one very good. And so we need God's righteousness. We need his straightness, okay? Now, righteousness refers to holy and upright living in accordance to God's standard. That's really what it means. It means to do it God's way. Amen. And therefore, man's righteousness is defined in the terms of God's holiness. Who God is, what he does, how he acts, that's where our righteousness comes from. And by the way, righteousness is a gift. It's just like grace. It's just like the vast majority of the things in the Bible. You and I cannot produce these things, so God through his spirit comes and he makes them available for us. But he doesn't make you take it. He doesn't say, "Hey, you better do this or else." That's us. We use those kind of manipulations. God just loves people. And love is one of the greatest is the greatest thing, really. And that love will attract people. It will. Amen. And probably no doubt that's one of the reasons, not probably the only reason, but one of the biggest reasons you're here today is because of the love of God. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, praise God, that whosoever believeth in him should not. That's, that's a strong word. That's God saying, with this available, nobody should perish. Literally, that's what that means. That means because of what God has made available to us, there shouldn't be anybody lost in the world. But unfortunately, there's going to be. And I'm not here to be the judge or the final authority or whatever. I'm just saying because you and I are in a position where we can make choices. We can choose. And that's where it is. That's why this year is a brand new year, because you can make some choices this year that will make a difference. Amen. And one of those choices is, are you going to do the right thing? Jesus, when he was confronted with, with baptism in, in the third chapter of the book of Matthew, here's the, the Son of God, here's God incarnated. He comes to John, who knows who he is, because his first assignment was to introduce him. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Praise God. I don't know if you knew exactly what that meant, but he introduced Jesus. And so Jesus comes and submits to his baptism. John was baptizing baptizing by full immersion in the Jordan. And, of course, he was creating quite a crowd, and Jesus comes. And the first reaction, or the second reaction of John was, you ought to be baptizing me, which he was right. But Jesus was trying to help illustrate something. Even as a sinless man, he submitted himself to baptism. Why? Because thus we fulfill all righteousness what Jesus was saying it's the right thing to do and so this is the thing that has helped uncomplicate my mind is I just I'm looking in the Bible for my own personal dedication and say is it the right thing to do and even further than that is it God's right thing to do and then when I when I understand that it's easy for me to make the choice amen now I don't always understand the completion of it or what's going to happen or that type of thing because I walk by faith and not by sight but the bottom line is, I can be involved in righteousness. He goes on to say, but life challenges our righteousness daily. Can somebody say amen? amen. Yeah. Righteousness involves choices. That means that there are two or more options that present themselves to each, to each of us. Each choice has pros and cons and must be weighed out. And it is not just a choice between right and wrong. In theory, everyone believes in doing the right thing. I mean, a lot of times people do the wrong thing, but they think they're doing the right thing. That's why the righteousness of God is so important. It's because that's what keeps us on that narrow way. Amen. We have developed a great sophistication in solving our ethical dilemmas. When do we administer heroic methods to pull the plug? Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, when, uh, when do we say enough is enough in a marriage relationship? When do we get involved and keep our distance from sensitive situations? Yeah, these are hard questions. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to give you the answer to those. Right. And if you're trying to come up with those answers on your own, no wonder you're frustrated, no wonder you're guilty, no wonder you got all kinds of stuff. But if you can seek out the, the, the power of God... Jesus one time illustrated this in the 22nd chapter of the book of Matthew. The question was resurrection. And the people that were asking the question didn't even believe in a resurrection. They were the Sadducees. They didn't even believe in one. But they thought, well, we're going to trick this guy. And so they said, let's let's create a, a rock that God can't even lift. Literally, that's what they were doing. And they came up with this idea that this woman was married seven different times. And, 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 and their question was, yeah, when she gets there, who's going to be her husband? <laughs> well, Jesus said something there. And you need to marinate on that. And I do a lot. Jesus entered or, or, or brought out the answer to the question, stipulating that you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And today, that's why we don't make good choices. Because we don't make those choices according to God's word. And you see, this is what you have the opportunity this year to start doing. Amen. we got many in this church who are contemplating to read the Bible through in its entirety in a year's time. That's a lofty goal. It's a good one. But what it'll help you do, what you don't realize, is help you to make good choices. God, through his word, will really, really, really begin to help you. And I'm not talking about, you know, whether I should, you know, come to church or read my Bible. Come on, folks. Those are simple choices. Amen. I'm talking about some of the hard ones out there that we contemplate. Why not get God's help? Why not begin to determine that the choices I'm going to make are because of his righteousness? And praise God, I can begin to live the way God wants me to live because of that. Oh, come on. I think there's a couple of people right now that you're itching to raise your hands and you're thinking, man, I like that. That one makes sense. Come on, go ahead and receive that. I'll give you a minute. Come on, receive that. That's engrafted. That can put something into your, your heart and your mind that nothing else can. <laughs> yeah, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, let us be baptized with meekness right now, God, that we'll be able to receive or accept the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So there are hard questions. It says, but the real heat comes when we factor in the impact upon our own lives. That's when it really, what what is the proverbial, where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, we sometimes don't struggle making hard choices for somebody else. Yeah, I'll give you advice. Just hang a little shingle out there, man, and you'll have a lineup probably by the second day. Amen. And it's easy to do that. But boy, when when it's you, amen, that's when it gets to be hard. And that's why don't leave those choices up to yourself. Leave those choices up to God. Make your choices to say, I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to do the right things, praise God. That's what I want to do, praise God. You know, I'm talking about hard choices, the choice between profit and loss, the choice between acceptance and rejection, the choice between moral and immoral, the choice between saving face and coming clean, the choice between pleasure and pain praise God these are choices folks that we would got to find ourselves making and a lot of times we're looking for the easy way and God says no I will present to you the right way now let me give you something you might want to write this down I thought this was good Um, four steps are necessary in making things right with God that is okay four steps And the first thing is, the, and it's going to be our word, so hopefully you'll be able to remember this. The first word is reason. We have to come now, the Bible says, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So the first thing we have to do, a reason, is do I want my sins completely gone? Do I want my sins not only covered but completely remitted? That's a reasoning that you have the ability to do. Listen to me, folks. That's one of the things, not the only thing, but one of the thing, things that separates us from the animal kingdom. Animals don't reason. They operate by instinct. Amen. Hey, man, hit a deer one time, you know, never forget that. Got out, and here's that deer laying on the, on the, on the highway. And I couldn't hear the deer say, man, I should have waited. He was just doing what he was doing. You know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Amen. <laughs> I shot one, too. They wouldn't get over I was out here, and they said, you've got to go deer hunting. Well, no, I don't have to. <laughs> uh, Albertson's is still open. <laughs> oh, but you got to. So they buy me a license. You know, I went down to preach for a guy in, in Green River, and he gives me a gun, you know. I mean, they get, I'm all set up, so I got to go. So I shoot this thing at 5 o'clock at the last day of the hunting season. And this deer man slides all the way down a ravine. I know he was trying to get even. And so here we are trying to get this deer up this ravine until 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how many times I asked the guy who wanted me to do this, are we having fun yet? But not one time did that deer say, you should have missed me, you know? I mean, they don't operate that way, but we do. You and I have the ability to reason. Now, we can't let that one fly off the handle. That's why we need God's Word. and We need to reason. Do we want our sins to stay or do we want them to go? This is a, this is a very, very important decision to make if you want to get close to God and do His righteousness. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's an across-the-board assessment, folks. You and I are all sinners saved by the grace of God. So if we want something done about the, the, our sins, we need to reason. The second thing is, is that reasoning in godly style will lead us to repentance. Repentance. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. Repentance has the ability, with the help of God, to help us to change. Amen. And so reasoning, and a lot of people, this is where they get stuck. We got to quit reasoning and we got to learn to repent. Amen. Amen. And then, you know, after reasoning and repentance, we need to learn to take responsibility. The Bible says, then, said, uh, uh, then, then they said one to another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. That's found in Genesis chapter 42. That happens to be Joseph's brothers. Remember the guys that got jealous? Remember the guys that got upset because dad was treating him just a little bit better than us? Yeah, it wasn't Joseph's fault. He didn't ask for that. But boy, they took it out on him. And man alive, it took a few years, but they finally realized, man, we did the wrong thing. And they didn't even know who they were standing before. That was Joseph they were standing before. But God, through godly sorrow, helped them to begin to take responsibility. It was our fault. We did that, praise God. That's not a bad thing, folks. That's a good thing. That will help us to 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 quit doing it. One of the things that we're finding in the in the so-called Christian world today is something called repeat offenders. We just get into the habit of asking God for forgiveness, and we don't want to change. And no wonder we got bigger problems. And that's not me, you know, critiquing you. That's the way it is. That's called righteousness, folks, is that I want to change. I don't want to continue going on doing the same things I've done. And some of that change is going to take years. Some of it's going to be just a fight between your flesh and your spirit, Your flesh is always going to want to do that and you recognize that and you begin to take righteous measures to shut down the flesh in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You got right standing with God even though your flesh didn't want to do it. You got a spirit, praise God, that says, Yes, I'm going to take responsibility. Something is going to change in my inner man. I'm going to begin to have strength like I've never had before. And pretty soon these things are going to be victorious in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody ought to be waving their hand to God saying, This is what I want. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And so you got, you got, you got, um, Uh, reasoning, you have repentance, you have responsibility, and then you have something called restitution. This is another one of those areas that we forget. The Bible says Zacchaeus, you know, remember that in in Luke chapter number 19? God comes into this city and intentionally looks up in in that tree to this little short guy man that's got all kinds of problems and says, I'm having lunch with you. Wow, what an invitation. That is a beautiful story, praise God. The 19th chapter of the book of Luke, read it. It's absolutely hopeful. It, it'll describe you and me to the T. That's how we are. We're, all of us have a middle name called Jacob. We're all deceivers to a certain degree. Amen. And we operate that way. But God wants to change that. He wants to change your name to Israel. He wants to give you peace with God. He wants to give you, praise God, a lifestyle that, praise God, you don't mind getting up in the morning for. Oh, my goodness. Man alive. Woo. Man alive. That's God, folks. That's what he does. And that's why restitution. And that's why Zacchaeus, as soon as he was confronted with Jesus... He said, man, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. Yeah. Amen. He just went right off the bat and said, listen, I'm going to have some restitution in my life. Amen. I've had God do that to me in specific areas. I won't go into it. But man, it got to point across. Amen. I'm glad that God didn't have me pay for all of my sins. But God had a few that he said, listen, I need to emphasize something to you. And so restitution, praise God. And so this is what God is. Now listen, before salvation, and listen to me, let me just take a little commercial break here. I've been teaching and preaching the last three or four weeks so that you'll get it. There's three things I hope that you've written down and you're reminding yourself. That first of all, God's got a plan for you. And that plan is for you to be saved and to stay saved. Amen. Here in the next coming weeks, I might do a little bit of teaching on end times. But listen to me. Let me give you my end time attitude right off the bat. It's better to be saved and, than to know the second coming of the Lord. Absolutely. It's better to be saved. Amen. And so, you know, um, before salvation, we would do the selfish, convenient thing without thinking. That's what we did. Because that's where, the, you know, that's where the fall led us. Amen. I'm, you came by it honestly. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that's the world you find yourself in. We would use, we would curse, we would hate, we would steal, we would spread gossip, we'd fudge taxes, time clock reports, tell lies, indulge in lust, nurse the grudge, and on and on. That's what we did. Paul said that in Corinth. And he said, such were some of you. And I like the word were. Now that doesn't mean we don't do any of those bad things, it just means immediately. We don't have to reason for months. We don't have to reason for weeks and for hours, even sometimes for minutes. Immediately when we do something wrong, we lift up our hands and say, God, forgive me. Please, let's get right on with this. Let's wash this out. That's what Jesus' name baptism does for you. It gives you the ability in the car, at home, down in your basement, at your job, doesn't matter where you're at. The blood of Jesus Christ can be reenacted to your life because you obeyed him in being baptized in his name by fully mission. Oh, my goodness. That's why I believe in baptism. Praise God. But folks, that's what we did. Amen. How many times have you found yourself saying this? Man, it's lucky I got the Holy Ghost. Well, let me get more specific. You're, you're talking to a person and they're irritating you. Mm. And you don't say it, but man, you're thinking it. Oh, God, I thank you I got the Holy Ghost. Ah, yeah, that's true, because you and I have a flesh that has a tendency to want to do those things from time to time, and that's what God gives us the ability to do. You know, my idea was when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, that God would just eradicate or take this flesh away. I I didn't realize that I would have to die for that to happen. Seriously, that's the only way it's going to work. You don't get rid of the flesh. You have to die it, you know. And, and so, you know, that was my idea, and God helped me to understand that you still have a flesh. That didn't give me an excuse to sin. It just gave me the, uh, the information that I needed about my own personal life. That I, uh, you know, uh, that I have a spiritual, um, uh, uh, I have have a spirit that is able to receive the things of God. But I also have a flesh that is enmity with God. It's unreconcilable. It will never agree. It will never want. It will never cooperate. It will never do any of those things and much, much more with the things of God. And so I, have to, I understand that, and God can help me to do that. Amen. And God has helped me in times past. And so before salvation, amen, this is well how we operated. And that's why it's important for us to contemplate salvation, to reason it. Amen. This idea of repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and to receive the Holy Ghost is the plan of God. But it's not one that he forces on anybody. Amen. And then, as I've been telling the church here, there's a higher purpose than just getting to heaven. A higher one. And that's where the Bible says in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans that we are to be conformed into his image. Amen. Whose image? Jesus's. See, that's why Jesus came. Not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. So you and I would have a clear picture of what is really the righteousness of God. We've got a clear picture, folks. Jesus is that clear picture. Everything he did was right. Did he struggle? Yes, because he was a human being. But he all, you know, one of the words that you'll find in the, in the King James Version is the word that Jesus used in the garden, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He demonstrated to us the power and, and, and the struggle that we have against human nature. But the bottom line is God has given us the choice to receive his righteousness, which will keep us straight and on the narrow path. And when we come against hard questions, which we will, ones that we're going to have to complicate, I call them, they're not soup can questions. -mm. You just don't open the can and throw it on the stove and eat it. No, you got to fix it. You got to prepare it. You got to realize, man, this is going to take me, you know, some time to really get this thing put together. Praise God. But listen to me, praise God. God has given us the ability to do that. Amen. He has given us the ability to do that. Amen. Jesus said very plainly, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls praise God. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, some days that's how I start my day. Makes sense to me. You know, let's get it right out of the chute. And and let's make sure that whatever God wants to have happen and accomplish in my life, I want to make sure that I'm a part of that. The last P, I said, plan he has for you to be saved. That's his plan. He is not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's that simple. God is not willing that any would and he has gone to the lengths so that realistically they will not they they, they don't have to let me put it that way. But again we have to begin to contemplate that when we're existing in a world that is mainly unrighteous. We need some help in being righteous. And we can't allow that to be our own righteousness. And that's where some people really mess up. The way they look at it, it shouldn't be. But that's why I don't trust myself. 17th chapter of the book of Jeremiah goes into the fact that the heart is deceitful above all things. And that's talking about the human heart. And the Bible says who can know it? Who can can help it? Well, then it says, "I, the Lord, I try the hearts. I will. I will test. And I will prod, I will do all kinds of things, praise God, so that you will know that if there's something in your heart that doesn't belong there, you don't have to let it live there. You don't have to let it stay there. You don't have to let it just be, become something bigger and bigger and bigger. You can, with the help of God, begin to live a righteous life, praise God, where the world, praise God, I'm going to tell you something, take secondary. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to give us some understanding. Can we? Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. What a mighty God that we serve. What a mighty God we serve. We do, and he's a loving, uh, merciful God. You know, his mercies are forever. Praise God. It, it, it is, and I, and I appreciate the Lord and all that he's doing in the name of Jesus. Um, Hebrews chapter number 6 is where if somebody is, is a new convert and they demonstrate the fact that they want... They're hungry, and they want more things in their life. Um, um, if I have a, uh, a choice to do a lesson and that type of thing, um, and, and, and other than whatever God would want, uh, this would be a place that I would take them. And it's because foundations are very, very important for us. Jesus talked about the foundation in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew after he lined everything out. I mean, you know, for two chapters, two and a half chapters, he's telling what not to do and what to do. That's why the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Doctrine is what we need to be doing. Reproof is what we shouldn't be doing. It's just that simple. And then correction is what we all need. And then instruction. And so God has given us, you know, the ingredients for that to happen. But one of the favorite places I have to take people, and I've done this many times, launched from this, because it's very deep in Jesus' name, and that is this sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews. I like the book of Hebrews. I'm not quite sure who, who wrote it. I, a lot of my friends tell me Paul did, and it certainly sounds like his writing. But there's no evidence in there that says Paul did, so I'm not going to say it did. I'm going to have to wait until I get up there. And so, But the bottom line is I know it's of God, um, and, and it really is a strong book. It's a good book to read if you want the cliff notes to the Old Testament. It really does. It goes into the sacrifices they made and and the high priests that were there and all that kind of business, and then it goes into the New Testament and shares with us that we have a high priest. His name is Jesus. Amen. He is making intercession for you and I all the time. Praise God. Amen. And I like that. But then it says, and look at verse number 1 of chapter 6 of Hebrews. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Notice this. We're going to talk about six things that Jesus taught. He taught these things. Now, I understand in the 21st chapter of the book of John, the Bible says that of everything that was written that Jesus did and said, the world wouldn't be able to contain the books. So I'm not going to try to make anything up, but I believe that. I believe that Jesus was all the time doing what you and I discover in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was doing that 24-7 didn't take a day off, except to go up in the mountains and pray all night. He was focused. And I understand that his life demonstrated that he could, amen. But the bottom line is, he was focused, and he was teaching these things. If you really begin to um, dissect the scriptures from the original manuscripts, you're going to find that, yes, it, it really does mean that he taught this on a regular basis. That what he taught in 5 and 6 and 7 of Matthew, he regularly taught his disciples. That's what he did. And that's why it's important for me to go through the Bible many times every year. Because I want to get this stuff. I don't want to lose it. Amen. And I have occupation, oc- uh, 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 oc- uh, oc- not occupation, but uh, when, what happens when, you're, when you live in a home? Occupy. I have things that I want to occupy my mind. So I'm going to keep my mind filled with the things of God. It's just that simple, folks. I've learned that if I don't, I'm going to be filled with contrary things and I'm going to become confused. And pretty soon I'm even going to begin to doubt and, and, and not believe the scriptures. You, Brother Carnahan, yes, the heart is deceitful. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I am totally dependent upon god end of the subject i am not afraid of that and so the doctrines of christ go like this it says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of christ let us go on unto on let us go on unto perfection or completion you know it says now here are the six doctrines of christ not laying again the foundation somebody look at somebody and say foundation No, no, no. Say it by syllable. Foundation. Yes. Yeah, I want that one to sink in because you and I are never going to make it without the foundation. That is not pessimism. That is realism. We have to have some place to go that will hold us when the rains and the floods and the winds beat upon our house. We have to because if we don't, we're going to build ourselves upon the sand and we will be destroyed. Okay. Now, the Bible says there's six of them here. Repentance from dead works. That is an ongoing work. There's some things. um, I might speak about this this evening, about the six ingredients that you build your house on. It's very simple. It's in the scriptures, you know. But repentance from dead works is what helps me not to build on this Faulty material. Amen. And I find myself on a regular basis doing things that I need to repent. And I'm not just talking about sin, folks. Mm -mm. I'm talking about daily life. There's things that I I can get involved with that really aren't going to matter. And so I need to repent from that. Amen. We just want it, you know, we want it to be a a heaven or hell issue. Is it sin or isn't? Come on. You know, the Bible has a book that's 31 chapters long that doesn't even deal with right and wrong. It deals with the question, is it wise? The book of Proverbs. A lot of times in that book, that's what he asks. He doesn't ask if it's right or wrong. Initially, it might not be. But where's it going to lead you? Where's it going to take you? Are you gonna be able to finish the Bible in its entirety in a year's time? Are you gonna be able to accomplish some things with God? Well, you're gonna have to get into the business of repenting from dead works then. It's just that simple. I'm not trying to complicate this, but this is the foundation. This is what Jesus is telling us. He's not trying to get elected pastor here. He's not interested in the 2020 elections. He's already on the throne. And so repentance from dead works is very, very important. The faith of God or the faith towards God is another one of those foundations. There's times when we just have too much faith in our church or we have too much faith in ourselves or we have too much faith in what we're doing, all of that. No, the Bible speaks about having faith towards Him, all of it, to Him. And that's what I'm talking about, the faith of God, having faith in the Lord. And that's not an easy thing either because you've got this little bit of a battle going on. You know, and we have to end that battle and say, no, I'm going to have faith in God. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to do it. And so the faith of God is so very important. The measure that he gives us gives us the ability to become faithful to that. That's what it does. And everybody has that ability, praise God. And then number two, it talks about the doctrines of baptisms. And it's plural there because there are many of them. There really is. I believe in the born-again experience. I really do. I told you the plan of God was for you to be saved. The only way that you and I can be saved initially is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then Nicodemus, being like us, was trying to reason it in his own mind. And that reasoning came out with saying, how? do I have to enter the second time into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, that's not how I'm, that's not the baptism that I'm talking about or the new birth that I'm talking about. He said, I'm talking about the new birth of the water and of the spirit. That's why I believe in Jesus' name, baptism for the remission of sins. Jesus taught that you must, you know, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's not my words, that's his words. And so this is what is being said. And so you you and I must understand that's where we have to go. Are we going to be righteous? Ooh, kind of forgot that lesson already. Come on, do I need to read that again? Come on, all of you were up on, or some of you were up there, man, I want this, I want this. And all of a sudden, man, you're confronted a little bit with it and you're going, oh, I don't know about that. Well, come on, keep coming back to church. I don't expect you to be perfect the second or third time you come to church, but you keep coming back to church. And I'm going to tell you, you're with the rest of us because we want to keep doing this, praise God. And we're going to acquaint ourselves with people that want to do the same thing in the name of Jesus. That's where it's at, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, Hallelujah praise god and so this is what we can do the doctrine doctrines or the doctrine of baptisms Amen. The baptism in Jesus name. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's times in the scripture where it says to be baptized with with meekness. To be baptized with humility. Baptism is a principle. The principles of the doctrine of Christ. The principle of baptism is fully emerged. Not having a little dabble. do me. I don't want to just be on the outside looking at people who got it. I want to be on the inside and I want To receive it in the name of Jesus. Come on, folks. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what the doctrine of baptisms is all about. Praise God. In my day in the 70s, when I came into this thing, they called us Jesus freaks. We don't use that word anymore. Been called a fanatic. Been told by my family members that my God, are you nuts? I'm serious. And all I'm trying to do is live the way he wants me to live. And a few years prior to that, man, you folks were telling me I needed God. Yep. Yep. Make up your mind. I have. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Jesus. Yes. See, the doctrines of baptisms, really, I'm going a little bit deeper now. Set the plow just a little bit deeper, praise God. The doctrine of baptisms is designed to help us to make up our minds quit beating around the bush circling around the wagons get in there get it praise God this is what God did for you he made it available for you so you could and so now he's challenging us saying hey come on get all of it get all of it praise God amen amen We talked on Friday nights. Was that Friday night? We had a Bible study. Yeah, um, Friday night. We talked about the lamb, the Passover lamb. And back in the Old Testament, praise God, they were commanded to get a lamb and put it in a house. Everybody's got to be in the house because something's happening tonight that you don't want to be outside for. Praise God. And so they get this lamb, and this lamb was designed to be roasted. But what most of us don't understand is that they were to roast that lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost, not on the threshing floor. You're not to walk on the Word. It's supposed to be around the rim. That's what it is. Amen. That's what they were instructed to do. And then they were to take that lamb and they were to consume it all. Amen. And that lamb was, in typology, a representative of Jesus Christ. And that's why when Jesus came and when he taught in the sixth chapter of the book of of John, he said, you're going to have to learn to eat me. And he wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about everything that I'm telling you, everything I'm saying to you, you're going to have to fully consume. See, that's where Christianity, praise God, kind of halts up a little bit. There's some things about that lamb, I'll guarantee you, I wouldn't want a piece of that. I want the white meat. I want the dark meat. Oh, yeah, give me a little one. Oh, there, there it is, man, right along the back there, that back strap. Oh, no, no, you've got to eat the whole thing. And so you've got to understand some of that didn't taste real good. But you got to understand, once we get the things that don't taste real good from the Lord down and we consume them, there's something in our spirit, there's something in our soul that will begin to launch up and say, yeah, I got peace. I got peace beyond my understanding. Come on. I'm telling you, folks, that's where it's at in this world in the name of Jesus. Peace that goes beyond our understanding. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but you understand the reaction, folks. Study it for yourself. In that sixth chapter, Bible says many of them said this is a hard saying. And okay, and I'm not trying to make little of it, folks. There are a lot of things that God tells us that initially are not easy. But you and I must make that effort, praise God. We must stand that straight and righteous way that God has for us. And then we can begin to consume it, praise God. And what will happen is there's something that will happen on the inside that does not happen on the outside. And that's what this spirit thing. The book of uh, Ephesians chapter 3 talks about that God, through his grace, through his power, we have the ability to be strengthened in the inner man. Literally, that's what it says. And so you and I have the ability to do that, but a lot of things have got to be consumed in order for that to happen. And so again, that's what the doctrine of baptisms will help you and I to do. It'll help us to make up our minds. Get off of the fence. Quit being a spectator. I heard somebody preach one time, and they were trying to be cute, but I was cool. He said that Pentecost is not a spectator sport. It's a participant. You are part of this in Jesus' name. And so there you are. That's just three of them, okay? And these are the foundations that Jesus taught. The next one is, of course, the laying on of hands. Um, you know, there's, there's, I, I, I've heard it taught there are five different reasons for the laying on of hands. And I, I, I have a tendency to agree with them, but I kind of lump one into the same, and that's just me. But one of the reasons for laying on of hands is for a blessing, That Jesus did this. He blessed the children when he came. Um, You know, Jacob would lay his hands on his children and bless them. And so there are things that are imparted through the laying on of hands. Don't ask me to explain it all to you. It's just an obedience thing to me. That's why in this church I have you do it a lot. And people think I'm trying to trick them. No, I'm trying to get you involved in apostolic ministry. The laying on of hands. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They, they shall pick up serpents, and if they drink anything, it will not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So blessing. Another place that we find the, the laying on of hands has happened to me many times in my, in my ministry. And that is the presbytery, or people. I remember when Sister Carnahan and I were commissioned as uh, associate pastors in Gillette, or in uh, Dubuque, Iowa. That he had the pastor there had the presbyter come. James McCoy and he came and they had a service for us and at the end of that service they had us stand down there in front of the church and they laid their hands on us and I can't tell you you know the confidence that came in me I I was sitting here going how am I gonna do this you know and all that and you're probably thinking the same thing you know God I ask you to do something you go what there's no way I can do that well you got to understand God has a way of empowering you amen and it might be just by the laying on of hands Amen. Then again, when we came out here, before we left, they had a commissioning service for us to come out here. And they did the same thing. Amen. We did the same thing with Brother Fitzner. I believe in that, in the leadership. Amen. And, and then the third one is, is, they say, for the ministry. And I put that ministry and leadership in the same lump. That, that Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you, that you received by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So it continues on, praise God, amen. And then the Bible says in the book of Acts, praise God, that they laid hands on them and they would receive the Holy Ghost. So I believe in that. I believe in laying hands. Listen to me, this is the doctrine of laying on of hands. And I understand that you've got to be careful, you know. And I know in Timothy it says, lay hands, don't lay hands suddenly on anybody. That's not talking about just anybody. If you cover the context there, he's talking about the ministry. That's what he's talking about there. He said, don't just do this right away when somebody gets saved. In fact, he makes a point in another place where he says, don't let them be a novice. They're going to make the same mistake the devil did. And so there's, a, there's reason there. And then the last reason, the fifth reason or the fourth, no matter whose theology you follow. I'm just kidding. But it's just, um, um, uh, the laying on of the hands is for healing. Literally, that is instructed for us to do. And so we do this intentionally in this church. But I understand the reason I'm bringing it up today is probably many of you had no clue. What is this laying on of hands? What are they doing? Are they trying to... Pickpocket me or something? Or, you know, what are they? You know, hey, listen, I had that kind of a mind when I came into the church too. And that's, what, that's why we must instruct. We must tell. We must help people to overcome some of the reasoning obstacles that they have. That this is safe stuff if it's done in the fear of God. And so the laying on of hands is so very, very important, praise God. And so that's number four. And let me get to the last two here real quickly here. And I'm not going to go into it in detail. I might later on. But, but um, the, the, last, or the last two is the resurrection of the dead. And I appreciate that. If you want to do a good fuller study on that, read the entire 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. Some people pin it as the resurrection chapter, and it deals with it. Talks about Christ, the first fruits, and it just lays out the resurrection, you know. And basically, folks, I'm talking about basically, there were, there's going to be two resurrections. Two. The first one and the second one. I want and I'm going to be in the first one. That's the one that counts. Amen. And so the resurrection is, is a very, very important doctrine. It's a very important principle. Amen. Paul said it in that 15 chapter, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he said, if all we have is hope in this life, he said, my goodness, we ought to be the most miserable people in the world. And our hope goes beyond this life and that's why the hope of the resurrection is so very 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 important. That's why Jesus he was it starts right off in that first in the first four verses there. It says the death, the burial and the resurrection. Now you and I have got kind of a little down payment because the Bible says we need to repent, die out, we need to be buried with him in baptism so that we can rise up in the newness of life. That's a type of that, by the way. And that's why the infilling of the Holy Ghost is so very, very important. The Holy Ghost gives us the ability to live in this life, the life that God wants us to live. And so there you are, praise God. The doctrine of resurrection from the dead. Amen. And then the last one is, of course, eternal judgment. And wow, that one is a big subject. I have con- lots of notes on it, and I'd be glad to teach you a little more thoroughly on that one because the judgment, you know, is, is coming. Amen. Um, just let me just give you a little bit here. The Scripture says in the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Peter, it says that, that, it says that, it, that judgment must... There, it uses that strong word again. Judgment must start in the house of God, which is representative of churches, in my opinion. Amen. And so the must is, and the word judgment there means to make a clear distinction. That's what God gives you and I the ability to do in this life with his help, by, by voluntarily and, 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 and wanting to, to live in his righteousness. And then to daily make that commitment to God, that God, however you want to, you know, improve me or, or whatever, praise God. I want you to have the ability to do that. And it has to become more than just words. It has to become deeds. James taught us something in his second chapter there when he said, Faith without is dead. It don't exist. And that's why just faith in words will never get it done. Never. And we have become a nation of words. We are talk radio. That's what we do. And people just love to have their say. And I'm not here to embarrass or to make anybody feel bad, but I'm going to tell you something in the kingdom of God, that isn't going to get it done. Jesus said, he that heareth my words and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man. He gave the opposite end of that when he said, also he that is a fool. You know what the word fool means there? I'll tell you. It actually means a moron. Now, I understand that's kind of an offensive word for some people, but God's calling us a moron if we don't do what he tell, do, do his, his bidding. That we would be likened into that, a foolish man who hears the word and doesn't do it. Jesus, or back to James, he said, it's like somebody who goes into the mirror in the bathroom and sees themselves and sees a flaw there, but says, I don't want to deal with that, and walks away and forgets what he saw. And there's where a lot of folks are at. I'm serious, folks, myself included. I get up in the morning and go to the bathroom, and I open the door over here so I don't have to Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm telling you, folks, we got flaws. What did somebody say one time? We are hopelessly flawed. Yeah. And God has come into our lives to give us the ingredients in Jesus' name. I have something special for you this morning. I hope you don't mind. I asked my wife to help me with this. Sister Chrissy does such a great job with our music, and she's t- teaching you some of the new stuff. New stuff. New stuff. <laughs> I go home after Sunday night service, and I have to soak my hand in hot water for about a half an hour so that I can get the cramps up. No, I'm just... That's why I am going to do my duty. <laughs> I'm going to teach you some of the old stuff. And this is a song, you know, when I came into the church, we didn't have these screens and we didn't have, you know, overhead projectors. We just had hymnals. And I thank God for them. And I want to introduce a hymn that we used to sing a lot back then. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely go. I will ever love and trust in Him, in His service daily life, I surrender all. Do you want to do that? I surrender all. blessed Savior I surrender all to thee I surrender humbly at his feet I bow amen worldly pleasure all forsaken Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I... Come on, why don't you just come to this altar right now? And just do that, would ya? All to Jesus I surrender, make me save your holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit truly know that thou art. Surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all, now all to Jesus. I surrender. Give myself to Thee, fill me with Thy love and power. Let Thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all. It savior I surrender oh, last verse. Now all to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh the joy of full salvation. Amen. Glory. Glory. Man, I surrender all. I surrender all. Come on, everybody! All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. One more.